I voted for other. Okay. And that's because it's a cycle and you're going to yeah. go through periods where each one of those is the biggest issue you're dealing with. Usually it starts with morale, followed by more work. Then they find out the lost knowledge and then, right, you lose your ability for market discovery and then you start to recover from it all. Yeah. From the morale is going to start to come back as people become numb to it all. People are going to pick up the slack. People are going to learn what they didn't know and they're going to find a way to do the discovery. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. Steve, we, we covered this a couple of weeks ago, but you know, there, the huge news in 2023 and even at the end of 2022 was you know, the massive layoffs and budget cuts that are happening as we're working with a lot of client companies. One of the things we're talking with them about is how do they handle discovery? What do they need to do? Do they need to reset their strategy? And with a wave of budget cut happening in a lot of companies, even if they're not cutting people and, and other, a lot of companies doing a reduction in force, we thought it might be a good time to talk about how do we keep product management on course when dealing with cuts? And, you know, as our resident historian, you know, we've been through what, the dot-com bust, the financial bust, you know, talk to me about, you know, in general, what you've seen happen. Well, I think the, the thing I, I see most often is uh, a realization that occurs three to six months after the cuts of what all these people did. Uh, I remember, um, yeah, I'll do that one. I remember uh, leaving a job and they said, well, you know what, pack your stuff and go, you know, and then two days later, they called me and said, oh, they just figured out what you do. Can you come back in and do turnover to somebody? And the, the person who called me was the HR person who said, uh, but if you've already started your new job, wink, wink, you don't have to come back. So have you already started your new job? And I said, yes, I have. And she's like, then you don't have to come back. Um, but it's this sudden realization that, you know, these people were needed. You know, it mm -hmm. wasn't all this, it wasn't that we had a whole bunch of people sitting around waiting for work. Um, and I, I think that's really the, the big impact of these massive changes, including, you know, uh, uh, one company we know, they just deleted the entire product management department. And, and sure enough, in, in a few months, everybody's going to go, oh, you mean prioritizing features was something product management did or reading aloud to salespeople from SharePoint was something sale, uh, product management did. So and, you know, for, for me, and I it go occurs back, over and over again. It does. And I go back, to, you know, and I've brought this former employer GE up, but I remember the first time out of grad school, I went through it and it's like, 
it seems like they're given a number often if they're doing a riff and they really don't do any thinking about who and what skills they need to get rid of. They, they create some generic last, you know, they do yeah, life. Yeah, right? Everybody last needs to give up 10%. Yeah. And, and, and there's no strategy to it. And, and it's not a product management specific thing though. We're going to get to it later. I think that there is, I think product management sometimes bears more of the brunt than other places and maybe marketing as well. Uh, but what we did on Monday, we put this question uh, in the community. How do you keep product management on course with, with when dealing with downsizing and budget cuts? Obviously, I had to shorten that a little to even get on the title slide in the last one. Uh, and May Wong, I, I think, May, this is the first time you were ever the first answer. No? Second time? Okay. May, you came in uh, with a really good take that you can't do it in the near term, right? You need, you've just changed the entire dynamic and people are fearful, fearful you've lost your trust. Talk to me more about what you're thinking. So when you lose a certain percentage of people around, even if it's like one or two people on your team, you're thinking through a lot of like, well, why them and why not me or why them or what are the chances it could be me or when's the next one am I next, right? Those are the things that I know I went through every time I saw layoffs. Um, and then you spend the next two weeks to four weeks gossiping about what might be next, right? How stable is the company, i.e. when's the next one? Um, is this an... <laughs> There are companies where, you know, you just know it's an annual thing because they decide that they have to chop 10% every year because some guy decided because. it was a great idea. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, like, just thinking through all that, like, you're, you can't, like, a, a lot of my work is about team building, culture building, um, but how do you do that when everyone's fearful and everyone's thinking about it? Sure, there's going to be like a couple of people who work extra hard to make sure they're not on the next list. But then also anyone who's competent is like, well, I don't want to work in this misery. So it's not even just the layoffs. It's the aftermath of the layoffs where people leave. And the slow trickle maintains that poor morale. And especially in companies, and I've been there when it happens, where they don't put, rip the whole bandaid off at once. They, they they do a smaller riff, and then three months later they do another riff, and then it's like it becomes a serial thing where everybody it, the doubt is there. It goes back to our conversation on toxic companies uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, but I completely agree. I actually, you talk about the good people. I my first job out of grad school, there was a guy who knew the annual riff was coming. Went through a whole process, got hired, did not give his notice because he knew the exact week was going to happen. And he volunteered to his boss to be one of the people to get riffed. So he got a three-month severance and started a job the next week. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if it gets that predictable, right? It, it, it's Good for him. Yeah, he, he, played it, he played it to his advantage. And, and, and I learned a lot of lessons from him right there, right? It's like you always have to be looking out for yourself. Uh, with where we're going but it's tough it, it, it is it's the gossiping it's the you know we talk we've, we've i know some people don't like the word quiet quitting but this is what leads to that right when people aren't certain what's happening i would say that in my experience maybe 10 percent of the people 
put their head down and say, I'm going to work harder and harder and harder to make sure I'm not the next one. But 90% of the people start worrying for their job, start looking for another job, start checking out because uh, they realize there's nothing they can do about it. So, May, thank you so much for that insight. Jason Weber came in after you. He talked about a lot of it is just listening to your team's concerns. As a product leader, making sure you're there to listen to them, uh, to be there, let them know what you know, be transparent where we want to go. Lee, you came in next and you talked about, you said adding to May and, and Jason, I want to think that reiterating the company's goals and pairing them with known customer pay points, pain points is a way to do it. Talk to me about th that approach. Yeah, I, going through rounds of layoffs too, it's like you have less resources. Everyone's fighting over them now. Um, you don't know what is the priority anymore because like you said, so many of these layoffs happen with no strategy and no thought put into it at all. So products left cleaning up the mess, trying to right the ship. Um, and so I think really trying to understand. So like obviously revenue is probably a big deal. So what are the short-term wins you can get to get revenue and how to tie that into the existing pain points you know exist? It's again, putting a lot on product. I mean, in regards to product strategy, I feel like that's the best way. But to May's point, you deal with a bunch of people who are like checking out or looking for new jobs. And also a lot of the time, especially if you're in a bigger company and you're not used to working like a scrappy startup, you're kind of thrown into that environment when you're not used to it and people sink or swim. It's like suddenly you have to do marketing. Suddenly you have to be on sales demos and maybe you're not used to that. And that's really difficult. So getting your team to wear multiple hats when they're maybe not used to it is a different challenge. Also, you need completely to completely and totally different culturally. It's completely and totally differently. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Lee. Uh, Calvin, you came in, uh, you know, and this was a very week of a lot of yes ands, exactly what everybody else said. Uh, so Calvin said, in addition to what others have shared, it's important to have transparency. Talk to me about that with your experience. Well, I, th I think what what happens, especially you know, if you're you know, if you're one of the the survivors, you know, and may you know, may said this, and I think you you and Leah have, have said this as well, is you know, what's next? You know, is it is it me? And to you know, in in a leadership you know, in a leadership role, to really let people know, let the team know, you know, what you know what's ha what happened next why we've you know why we've made the cuts um and how we move forward you know it, because it, it will help at least somewhat to put people at ease i mean i know that that when i when it's happened to me um a few years back you know there's just some organizational shifts so some you know my boss get you know got let go i had expected to be let go but i you know i was retained you know, it's like, well, some of us are moving here, some of these are moving there, and really understanding what what's going to happen next and why, and so that, you know, that helped to um, you know put aside some concerns. I, I think there's a you know in your answer you mm -hmm. talked about you know, if they can give direction or you know reasons of why the downsize happened. I think that's one of the biggest failures in a lot of these, whether it's a budget cut or or a downsizing, is. It's not like they change what their plan is, right? Steve, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about the story about Krista's development team all getting COVID. It's like, oh, but you're still going to deliver everything. It's sort of like that with the downsizing. They, 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 they're like, 
oh, we're, we're, we're reducing the force by 10%. We're cutting budgets across the board, yet we still expect you to deliver everything that was on the plan for 2023. And yes, nothing seems hard to people who don't have to do it. It's it's tough it, it, because in, in maybe this is for our topic of the week in senior leadership, which we don't have, but it's like when you're doing this, shouldn't you be, if you're downsizing, shouldn't you be downsizing your strategy, your plan, your initiatives, what you're doing to make sure that, and, and then if we can clearly do that, hey, we've, we've done this reduction in force. The reason we're doing it is that we've decided to pull out of this market because we've realized we haven't had traction in this market. Therefore, most of the people impacted. And then it even ties to who do you get, who, who gets downsized and where do you cut budget from because you're doing it based on a product or, or a market or a whatever it may be. And uh, I don't know, it just, it seems like it could be done so much better than it's done. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I, Calvin, that, it really resonated me when you talked about those reasons and, and, and what, what we could be doing with that. Paul, it takes an engineer to come in with the human element, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and it's really just echoing what uh, May and a lot of others were saying, that um, there's a tendency to look at the business aspects of it, but it's, it's still a room full of people that uh, have their own emotional and whether they're rational or not, uh, personal elements that, that tie into consequences. And it's usually not, how am I going to deal with lower resources? It's not the first thing on their head or, oh my gosh, what about my KPIs? Um, but uh, they're, they're running around and coming up with new words to fill every acronym because they're a little bit hacked off at everyone. Hmm. Yeah. My one boss made actually did pretty well at this. The overall organization failed miserably, but I'll give him credit that he got everyone into a room and then just said, hey, guys, what's what's the rumor mill and, and what are your questions? I'll try to address those. They just tried to run out in front of it and deal with all the things that he knew people were going to be doing and saying. Um, it just turns out that everything he said in that meeting turned out to be false anyway, but it, uh, it was at least the right process. Just Did to, he know it was false when he said it? I think he had to at least have some inkling of an idea. I mean, that to me would be a big, if, if he's getting fed false stuff from corporate and HR and stuff, that's one thing. If he's feeding the false stuff, that's a different, it goes back to the toxic company, toxic boss conversation we had. Yeah. But I, I think the, the human element is key. Steve, I'd love to get you, you've, you've been sitting here quietly. I'd love to get your take on this from what we've seen, what you experienced over the past, you know, decades. Well, you know, I'm, finding a weird parallel here to um, air travel. <clears throat> I don't care if the plane is going to be late, if you'll let me know, right? I, it, yeah. uh, I, I had a case many years ago, uh, this is a quick one. Um, I, was, I was flying to Boston, <clears throat> weather was horrible. And I went up to the gate agent and said, are you going to cancel this flight? And she whispered, probably, don't tell anybody. So I hopped in my car and I started driving to Boston and four hours into an eight hour drive, I got an alert from my phone saying you've been rebooked on a flight for tomorrow afternoon. And happily, you know, I was on my way to Boston. All was well. But the real point was, I don't really, I just like to stay informed. 
you know, and, and in some of the examples here, it's like, we're going to lay off 6% of the company, but that's it. We're, you know, there's not another shoe to drop, right? Or in, in Paul's example of sitting down with leadership and having leadership say, you know, hey, let me show you the numbers. You know, uh, revenue isn't where we thought it would be. You know, we're in, say, the mortgage business and suddenly nobody can afford a mortgage. So, you know, it's going to materially impact our, our business going forward and we're making some hard decisions. But being transparent in like every factor of life uh, is, including one more little rant at then. Uh, my wife goes insane if a uh, person is coming by to do work on the house and they don't show up. She's perfectly fine if they send her a text. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be three hours late. Cool. You know, so she's not like, if you're not here by 901, don't bother to come, right? I mean, she's, and, and I'm the same way. Just keep me informed. And yeah. I, I think that's the big thing when we're making when when we're uh, uh, going through any sort of of difficult time, keeping people informed, and then you know adjusting as well um, our expectations. Right? I mean, if we've got half the staff, we're going to do half the work. Yeah, so, I, transparency is key. Two two things there. Wow, transparency and being able to communicate and know what's going on, that should be a standard, right? Having respect for other people. Uh, but the other one was, I don't know, four hours into your drive from, to Boston, you were probably either stuck in traffic in New York City or in the middle of nowhere, you know, Poconos or upstate New York. I don't know if you'd be happier, but I guess getting well, there is better than not getting there. Yeah, the key was that there were 35 people waiting for me to present to them at nine o'clock tomorrow. And uh, I really wanted to have them have a good experience. <laughs> me showing up three to six to eight hours after class begins would have been bad. It would have been bad. I appreciate that. And I get it totally. Uh, Eva, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me in your answer was the conversation on one-on-ones, right? It's such an important, we, we, so often we see the group things, right? We're all brought into a room and we're told what happened. I mean, maybe it's, I've, I've been in a situation where a, one group of people went to one room, one group of people went to the other room. And it was like, it was like you were on like a game show where it's like, okay, step forward, front line, you're gone. <laughs> Which I guess is even at least a little better than turning your email off at three in the morning. But Eva, you brought up this, you know, the one-on-one, -on -one, and I think that's an incredibly important thing, especially for product leaders to be thinking about, is it's not just how you handle your team and your organization, it's how you handle each individual person. Talk to me about the one-on-ones and the transparency there. I think a good word, and I didn't include this in my post, was when managers become vulnerable with their direct reports, that gives you more insight into what's going into the organization, but then at least makes you realize that they care uh, more about you as a human being than just, you know, the uh, what work is getting done day to day. So I think in one-on-ones, being transparent and vulnerable to your direct reports as far as what's going on in the organization is definitely key for a number of reasons. I mean, I think, I feel like it's kind of self-explanatory, but um and then you can kind of get into those more darker doom and gloom areas because you are in a one-on-one. -on -one. You can be a little bit more forthright than in a team meeting where, you know, you have to exhume positivity at times. So I think that that's kind of what I was getting at there. 
No, I completely and totally get it. And I think that for product leaders, that's got to be very important because as Leah said earlier, product management often is taking a lot of brunt of what's happening, either we, whether it's reprioritizing or doing more with less uh, or the same with less. I think for product leaders, having those candid heart-to-heart conversations, the vulnerability is such a key word. Thank you, uh, Brene Brown, for making it a popular word these days. Uh, But as we deal with it, we have to handle those one-on-one situations. Uh, Corey Bryant, I feel like every week you're trying to channel your inner joy and come up with less words in an answer. I'm failing. You... You're down to a set, you know, two sentences, but in, in average word, only like five words in a sentence. I mean, you're doing pretty good. Well, and again, there's so many uh, other good answers in there, but I, I, my gut reaction is next play. What do we do next? <laughs> now what? Okay. Half the staff got let go. Now what? We can sit there and cry about it or cry for a week or a day or a month or a year, or we never get over it, or we can see what we need to do next. And that would be my approach is what can we do next? And I think the thing that a lot of people have said, but is really key is you're going to do less, (laughs) whatever it is, it's going to be less than you expect. And that's my poll answer was you have to replan. And I really like the discussion that you've kickstarted on um, Twitter grant and Saheed's answer was very similar to that, which is reassess the objectives and agree on the needed changes and then realign and focus on those because you're going to do less. You have to focus on less things or less areas or less markets or less, you know, features or whatever you want to call it. There's less because you have less people now. Yep. And I think that needs to be like super broadcast. You know, um, if we've cut our staff in half and yet sales is still calling and saying, you know, I need these features. I need you to go on the sales call. I need you to do this uh, marketing piece. I mean, their uh, other teams still have the same appetite they had before and being able to be really clear across the organization of it's going to be less you know we have fewer people we're going to have therefore fewer features and fewer marcom pieces and fewer of everything the remaining people should not work the 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 a sequel amount of hours as you you know five people can't work yeah. the amount of hours that 10 people worked you can't right. oh. I think the 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 most uh, troubling sign is when you hear we'll just have to do more with less. If you ever hear that, just get out. <laughs> and and you're like, we're already doing more with less. More with less. <laughs> right. I'm as a product manager, I'm supporting four teams now instead of just the two or one that I should be. And now you're saying you want me to support six. I mean, it was kind of I, I did a re-engineering project years ago, and the objective was can we cut back our support staff? And we ran the numbers and said, we need to hire some more support staff because we had cut into the bone, right? And and looking at, you know, it's apparent. Uh, We had this riff of customer support and within 15 days, our net promoter score had dropped significantly. Why? Because people on the phone longer and, 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 right? And it was just so shocking to the CFO who was hoping to find cost savings and customer support. And I went, dude, you already found it. And I will say for, I've, I was at a company and our board was, our chairman was really good. He, there was, we were bloated at one point and he, he brought in a CEO who was a cut to the bone type of guy. But once we got to the bone, he realized it and brought in somebody to rebuild the strategy from that. Right. So sometimes it's, you know, you, 
good leadership is going to be so critical with this. Dom, I'd love to get your take on this. How do you how do you keep it product management on course? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I'd like to just go back to a comment that Leah made early on was many hats, right? Um, and then, you know, yes, we we do uh, more with less. Uh, Corey was saying early on. I, we, we are as product managers, we are experts in prioritization, right? So it's it's. I'm very optimistic always, and it's an opportunity to showcase you know how good we are at prioritization, right? So making sure that we are work, working on, on the right things. But to Leah's point, it's helping the team um, connecting the dots, right? Because suddenly there's a, a lot of um, finger pointing, I guess, right? Uh, it says, oh yeah, it's on you, it's on you, it's on you. When you know we can find areas and help the team you know, maybe offload some of those activities with others and making sure that nobody is dropping the ball in other functions and all comes back to product management. So clarifying roles and responsibilities in those in those times is absolutely critical, I think. Um, yeah, I, I mean- Completely and totally. And, and in a situation where it's both a reduction in force and a budget cut, it's tough, but I've seen sometimes where a reduction in force can be, you know, mellowed out by using 1099s having contractors and that's where the budget would come in but if you, if you lose both of them i think it's a tough place to go so that's I, I, roles and responsibility clarity of roles clarity of prioritization don great you know uh i completely and totally agree joy yeah so cutting people off at the last minute like grant you said you know this team in this room is gone and this team gets to stay. That's just bad management. That's, that's just bad strategy. It's just a bad company. Um, and if you want to keep your product management on track or any one of your departments, you should, you know, a year in advance. And what you want to do is start right then. You want to, you, you want to help your teams. You want to offer them, um, here's a department in HR that's going to be your mentor. Here's a department that's going to help you with your resume, with your LinkedIn. We, when we, you know, lay people off, we are going to continue with your benefits for three months. We will pay for classes. And that tells the people that the, that the company cares. And so when people do get cut, there's not going to be the gossiping and the freak out and the checkouts. I mean, they're going to understand that this was strategic. It was well thought out. It was cared for. And there's a plan in place. And we're not going to just suddenly cut people on a Friday at five and then expect the rest of the team to, to pick up the Move forward. Right. I don't yeah. think I've ever worked in a company like that. Well, I mean, that should be the way, Steve. It just should work that way. I, I'm with you. I'm just, <laughs> it, it almost seems to me like it's accidents of management where I work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we just realized uh, at three in the, you know, three in the morning when I woke up in a panic, I realized we need to cut our, our staff by 10%. And then yeah. we come to the office, say, make it so HR. And they're like, oh, well, that's one of the three things we do. You know, it our people. should never happen. And, you know, in, in that case, if, if it's management that says, oh, we need to cut, then you know what? Management has to roll up their sleeves and pick up the slack because it is actually not fair to the remaining people 
to pick up that person's or people's work. I was in a senior leadership team meeting where we were being told by corporate. So we were a division of a really, 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 really big conglomerate. You can guess who it was. Uh, and we were told that we had to cut 10% of cost because we had hit a specific or even uh, our operating income number. Uh, and everybody at the table started talking about, okay, let's talk about how many frontline people we're going to cut. And I looked around the table and there was a lot of redundancy in at least three departments. There was at least one layer of redundancy. And I said, I said, maybe we need to look in this room first, right? One of us is two or three frontline people in cost. Yes. My, my frontline people are already bursting at the seams. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to say it, of course, I got my riff the next day, but <laughs> <laughs> actually I negotiated with my manager. It was time for me to leave, but nobody else left. Uh, and, my, and my manager, the senior vice president said this was exactly the right thing to do. I, and he even said, I, and I am the redundant one. I said, I know, but I'm ready to go. But they don't yeah, have that conversation. Place. You're ready to go. Yeah, I, that is my, I was ready to go. They, they handled it. But I've also been in a place where, to your point, there was a, you know, you get for a month for every year you've been here or something, you know, two weeks for every month, year you've been here. And there was a formula and it didn't help if you knew it was coming, but you knew you would be taken care of. You knew that your severance, you could plan for it. You knew what it was. It took a little of that fear and uncertainty off the table. Richard, you have been so patient waiting to, to share and, you know, you're, what's your take on this? How do we, how do we keep it on course? We're, we're, we're having a hard time hearing you. No, he's got the feedback again too. All right. I will see if Richard comes back. Any last thoughts on this, Steve? Outside of every company should be humane? No, I think that's a good way to end this section. Every company should be humane. Uh, treat their people like the, the assets they are. They're, they are key resources. And, and I can't remember. There's multiple. No, treat them, like, treat them like humans. People. Treat, yeah, them, yeah. treat them like friends. I mean, not like assets or human resources. I was looking at asset as a, you know, it's a good thing. You're an asset to the company. Yeah, not I understand. Like as a commodity asset. Yeah. Grant, if I may add, um, it, it might be also um, important for the brand, right? If you don't take care or you're respectful of how you do things, it may affect your brand. I mean, I don't know. I, I see all these tech companies, they hired like crazy and then they're laying off like crazy. And, you know, my son is a tech guy, right? It's like, I don't want to work for those companies, right? Yeah. What does this say, right, to the brand? No, it, well, it, to, to the brand, both for as an employer of, of, you know, choice, but also to the brand, seeing how people do this, it impacts how they think about Twitter or Facebook or whomever. Mm -hmm. Steve, you were going to say something? Yeah, well, you know, it actually, John's point made me think of uh, a similar thing with non-compete clauses. I've, I've encountered many, many companies recently who are like, oh no, we don't have a non-compete clause. Uh, and I'm surprised that people still do have them. But the, the, the message from this company I was talking to, they said, well, we want people to work here because they want to work here. 
not because they have a non-compete clause. And after all, we hired you for your experience that you acquired prior to becoming part of our company. So, you know, non-compete clauses, first of all, are pretty much unenforceable. But secondly, it's just it's it's a little bit insulting to everybody. I mean, the ideal scenario is if you decide to leave us and we hope you won't. But if you do, you'll speak kindly about us. Instead of, I can't, you know, uh, you forced me to sign this non-compete clause and blah, 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 blah. Now I'm leaving in anger and I'm going to say bad things about you from now on. No, I, I, I com completely and totally agree. I, I saw a Richard Branson quote. There was something, invest in your employees to get to the point where they can leave and treat them so well that they don't want to leave. Absolutely. Right? That's brilliant. I think that's a good one. Richard, you're back. Any I'm thoughts? Back. So I went through this three times. The first time we went through this, it turned out they were selling the company and they got rid of the entire product department. So I was gone, right? So who cares? The second time this happened and they laid off 20% of the workforce, Yeah, the question me and a couple of people had at that meeting where they were talking about it is, what's the six-month strategy? What's the two-year strategy and the five-year strategy for us to recover? And when the leaders stumbled at that question, a lot of us left because we knew that they didn't have a plan. This was just haphazard, right? We're just trying to make the numbers look good. And the last time this happened back in October, they got rid of the redundancy, which happened to have been a lot of the middle management that had you know, a strong team set up behind them. Yep. As as a manager, that's actually I, I I went into a company and hired a great team of directors. I was a VP, and then when when the two thousand eight two thousand nine crunch hit, I was the redundancy because I had hired a good team. And sometimes that happens, right? Yeah, that's why I've been had been looking for work. Yeah. So, wow, great conversation on this. Let's move to our poll from Wednesday. The poll question: What is the hardest impact? of downsizing budget cuts to overcome. Uh, the options were the lost knowledge from people who were lost, the morale issues moving forward, more work for less with, with less resources, uh, the ability to be in the market discovering gets reduced or other it depends, share and comment. Corey, I'm gonna start with you. You were one of the 8% of people who voted for more work for less resources. Yeah, same thing, right? Uh because you're losing your focus or your focus is going to shift because you have less people to do things and you have to change the work that you're doing. Now your vision, your product vision may not change, your product strategy may not change, but the way you go about approaching those now with less has to change. No, oh, I, I get that. Obviously each of these are things I came up with in my mind when thinking of the question. Uh, I was leaning towards that one, but you voted for it. So I decided to vote for another one. Plus, as soon as you said less resources, I thought, well, maybe we have less pencils because pencils are a resource. Yes, exactly. And we can't draw enough. We can't draw as much as we need to because we right. don't have the pencils or a pencil sharpener or erasers. Could be. Yeah, it could be that. Now, Dom, you were one of the 13% who said other, it depends. Only the above. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it says hardest, I'm hardest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the, 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 the hardest one, uh, if, if really I had to choose, because I, I mean, everything resonated with me there, 
but um, I, I think, you know, it's this morale, right? Where um, you're insecure, you're uh, uncertain on, you know, what's next. And obviously um, the morale is contagious, right? So you lose complete productivity. I mean, it's just a snowball effect. So if I had, yeah. really had to choose one, it would be the morale, right? And morale at 43% has, has the most votes. Uh, ability to be in the market, 4% mm -hmm. was the least. Uh, lost knowledge at 30% was second. Uh, May, where did you vote? Morale. Morale? Okay. You must be one of those plus four on here because you voted early. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I voted for morale just because um, I feel like the lost knowledge eventually gets replaced over time because, you know, as people, you bring, well, as people have to learn about the lost knowledge, um, it takes time, but a lot of that is just, you know, how, how are you feeling, right? We're talking about how do we rebuild product management, or it's not rebuild, but like, how do we recover from such a loss? And it's, you know, the leadership needs morale too. So yeah. as people who are, you know, trying to steer the ship in a direction and everyone's like, steal running off with all your lifeboats like what are you gonna do yeah no i i i, I com <laughs> yeah. completely and, and totally get that uh, joy based on the fact that the mccaffrey metric is team morale i have to assume that you voted for team morale here i i that was my first inclination to to vote for morale however the more i thought about it that's true for any team any department but if we're talking about product management, I actually just voted. I voted late while we were talking. Okay. Um, the lost knowledge. And yes, May, it's true that there is a lot of knowledge that you can gain after a couple of months. But I've also worked at companies that are so complex and there is so much history that there's that one person who says, we did this because so-and-so tried this and they knew so-and-so and then you know, this happened. And so then they, and it's just, that is just not documented anywhere, obviously. And that is lost forever <laughs> there. I guess it depends on the situation, but there is some lost knowledge that is never going lost. to be. Uh, the, the skeletons in the closet, the institutional yeah. knowledge of how things work and how to get things done. And that's why I actually voted for it. it was this part of it's the market knowledge. And there's sometimes there's market knowledge that is hard to replace because it's built over so long. It takes a long time for it to build up some of that intuition and stuff. Uh, but, you know, I think, Joy, you, you made the case better than I would have, where it's also that internal institutional knowledge of why did we make certain decisions? Why did we do certain things? And, and, then and here's the thing. All over again. <laughs> yeah. It, it, we make the same mistakes and, and I, I've been there when that's happened. So thank you for making a better case for uh, the lost knowledge than I would have. Uh, Calvin, you also voted for morale. Uh, anything to add to what May had said? Um, the only thing that I'd add is, is, is what I mentioned in the comments was that in the short term morale becomes an issue, but in, in the long term, it's lost knowledge. And I echo, echo what, you know, what Joy said, um, that sometimes the knowledge just walks out the door and you just can't recapture that. Yeah. So, but you voted for morale, but you see, understand, you, you could see the knowledge as well. 
I, I can, well, I'll just kind of recap what I, what I, what I, what I wrote, you know, in the short term it's morale and then the long term you lose the lack it's, of knowledge. It's, it's, yeah. And yeah. I, I actually, I did love that uh, sort of lens of short term versus long term. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, the, the key for the, for the morale goes back to our toxic companies, toxic bosses conversation. There are some places where the, the toxicity, if they handled it wrong, lasts longer than the mid to long term of the knowledge. Uh, of people who still may be, you know, gun shy 10 years after a CEO has left. And I think that was an example Richard had used. Uh, Richard, how did you vote? I voted for other. Okay. And that's because it's a cycle and you're going to yeah. go through periods where each one of those is the biggest issue you're dealing with. Usually it starts with morale, followed by more work. Then they find out the lost knowledge and then right? You lose your ability for market discovery, and then you start to recover from it all. Yeah. And the morale is going to start to come back because people become numb to it all. People are going to pick up the slack. People are going to learn what they didn't know, and they're going to find a way to do their discovery. I, boy, Richard, the way you described that, I wish that's how my head was thinking when it came up with these answers, that it was sort of like a life cycle, right? You go through each of the stages, uh, but that's so well put better than I. Uh, Eva, had you voted? Yeah, I voted for morale because honestly, I think product leaders have a really hard decision or a hard way for making the team, I don't know, to put them in a positive headspace. Because as an employee, are you thinking, crap, like if I work like my ass off, is this going to end up being my resulting factor? I'm just going to get laid off. Or... Do I just, you know, do the whole quiet quitting thing and see what happens? Like, I feel like as a product leader, and I am not a product leader, those guys have a very hard job those to people. do. Those people. Yes, those people have a very hard job to do. But I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know how you would keep morale up on a team to kind of go forward on there. It can be tough. And I think, you know, the vulnerability, as you talked about in the first answer is going to be key there, you know, make sure you can do that. And it, it's tough. having been somebody as a leader who's gone through it. The toughest is if there's, if you know, there's another foot to drop and you can't say anything. And that's where, you, you know, it, it tears at you and it, it becomes a morale issue for yourself, as you said, for the product leaders. Leah, how did you vote or did you vote? I did morale. And I looked okay. up at a higher level because all these other choices, um, I mean, you have like some C-suite executives and maybe their shareholders made this decision for their company and it did not involve you and it doesn't really matter. It's like, I have less resources. Oh, well, I can't develop all these cool products that are going to make them a bunch of money. It's not my problem. Technically, it's their problem and they put this upon themselves. So it's like, so some of those things, it's like, it sucks for me, but also it's like, whatever, I didn't make this choice. The morale issue bleeds into the community and in people's personal lives and it just everywhere. And people commit suicide over this. People are depressed. It's a horrific thing that happens that impacts everyone's personal lives deeply um tax mm -hmm. the teams deeply so uh, whether you're at the talking about the company or in your personal life i think the morale issues are so 
oh, they're just, they have the hardest impact in general for our country and for just humanity. I hate it. Um, all these other things, it's like, whatever. It's their choice. Uh, it's gonna- well, you put it, you put it that way and I'm changing my voice. You know, I think in my head, I was very much thinking closed off for a product leader. But if you think of the extended impact of it on relationships in society and everything else, gosh, there's only one answer. Boy, Leah, thank you so much for bringing that. Uh, Brent, so, oh, sorry, so, sorry, Brent, I just want to add something about morale and how, why it's so important. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of, you know, what uh, my company is doing right now is we are setting up a committee to address morale. So we are five people right now going to meet and see how we can increase morale within the organization in different areas of the business. It's been recognized and we're actually acting on it. So, you know, just to reinforce, you know, the morale point of, of you in the company. No, it's so important. Again, the McCaffrey metric is always going to be one of the best, my favorite ones. Uh, Paul, any thoughts? I mean, I don't know how you follow Leah, but. <laughs> no, and it's, it's funny because I, someone had mentioned about the long-term uh, doing the training and, and some of the job assistance stuff. I was actually with a company that did that. They decided to shut down their entire office in, in one of their three cities that they were based in. And uh, so my office was one that was getting shut down and they offered this six or nine month period uh, with training and they would offer uh, um, money on the back end of it if you stayed the whole time. And as someone who likes to grow things, the idea of I'm going to be here for six months watching the slow degradation of everything I built was heartbreaking to me. And I took the first job offer that that I uh, that I got, which was maybe questionable in its own right. But I, I would have been just destroyed to be there for that time. Um, I've also been there for the, um, hey, there's a organizational meeting, um, might want to grab a box on your way, uh, kind of set up where it, it's, it, it, whether it was on purpose or it was just sudden, um, either way, the, the same effect uh, occurred. And then I tried to think about, okay, well, what would a, a very, uh, I think it was you, Grant, that mentioned like, hey, let's, we're, we're getting back to our core. We have these things that aren't our, uh, our, our main part of our business, and we really need to just contract a little bit in order to have the right business. I thought about what that would look like, and it, it would still be, um, even you don't have all of the same uh, issues about, oh, I don't understand what's going on in the organization kind of stuff. But the only thing that's left is, well, I like those people or at least they're people. <laughs> so no matter what direction I came at it from, the morale of it just kept coming up over and over and over again. And I'll be the first to say, my lost knowledge never hurt a single company in the long run. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'd like to see them get along without me. And then they did. <laughs> no, I, I, that's fair. Uh, and in, in companies handling it better, it's you know sort of back to the way that we were talking uh, May was talking about it should be handled with at least the one situation with you. Steve, did you vote? Um, I did not, but I would have voted for lost knowledge. Okay. Despite whatever Paul just said. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I'm reminded of the service repair guy that got laid off. And a week later, the machine broke, 
the assembly line was down. They were losing $20,000 an hour. Nobody could fix it. Finally, they called this guy they laid off and said, dude, can you come fix this? And he came in, listened to it for about 15, 20 minutes, and then made a, a, a fix. And sure enough, the machine's running again. They said, oh, hallelujah. You send us a bill for any amount you want. We'll pay it. So we sent him a $5,000 bill and accounting got involved and said, could you please itemize? And he said, okay, hitting the machine with a hammer, $50. Knowing where to hit the machine with a hammer, $49.50. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I knew that story was coming as soon as you started telling it. But it's true. Right? There's that type of institutional knowledge. And I think that that's why I originally voted for it. But I can see morale. Like I can see all of them. Obviously, I put them there. Uh, We've had an amazing conversation. I do want to touch on one question before we get the lightning round. As a product leader, when you learn about pending cuts, assuming you're learning about it in advance, not being told like when they tell your employee, your, your team, what should your first actions be? How can you prepare, right? If you're being told, hey, let's let me frame the situation. They're actually giving you a chance to have impact on what may, you know, have some input. What would the first actions be? Corey. Ask why. <laughs> why are we doing this? I mean, because if I understand the reason why we're doing this, yeah. I can help plan out a better outcome. Um, is no, it I love that. Scattering. Yeah, I, I love that. And it goes back to the conversation we started in the first question with, if you can explain why you're doing it, right? What the rationale is, it should impact how you make decisions with it. I love that or uh, that answer. Uh, May. Once you know why, um, you can start thinking. You can start thinking about the outcomes um, in terms of what does this mean, right? So how do you trim back the work that you're asking people to do afterwards, um, so people can have time to digest, recover. Um, I presume all the other stuff is being taken care of by the corporation. You don't have any control over like what their severance looks like, what their yeah. other stuff looks like. So in terms of like, well, we can't do more with less, so we gotta do less, so what is less? So have tell people that you are acknowledging that we have fewer people to work with and there's also going to be setbacks. So like, let's, let's have a plan, tell people what it is um, when the time comes. Corey May, nice start. Calvin. So I'd go back to what, what Corey said, and not only why, but starting to assess if the why is the, you know, is consistent with the direction that I'd want to take my career in. You know, and it may be that I start looking, looking elsewhere, start working, you know, working on my resume and, and reaching out to my contacts. Uh, completely and totally. I mean, you, you need, especially if it's a strategy change or something else that you might not agree with. Yeah. Uh, you need to be thinking about that. Awesome. Dom. Yeah, I was actually uh, leaning toward that is, you know, if you don't need me, all right, well, let me look somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, right. so the first step might be making that it's not... It, the why in maybe before, maybe the interim step before May is putting the plan together to do it is making the decision yourself of, the, is this what you want to sign, what you signed up for and what you want to be? I, I don't know if I agree with that though, because um, 
at the end of the day, as a product leader, I mean, you probably still feel a little bit attached to your team. You're not going to be able to jump ship before the cuts happen, most likely. Yeah. And so you, like, I don't know, I would feel a responsibility towards my team and try to protect them as much as I can, even if I am leaving jumping ship as well. In my situation, what I mentioned earlier, I, I, you know, I volunteered myself to be because I was protect, part of it was to protect my team, right? So it may be if you look at this and say all of a sudden, as Richard talked about as their company, if I'm going to be redundant, right? Maybe I need to be the one to step up and say, there's redundancy here. I've built a team that's good. I, I can see both sides of it. It's probably going to be situational where it goes. Any other thoughts before we move on to the lightning round? Uh, I'm just going to add a pile on to that. But when you volunteer, you also leave yourself the option to negotiate your package. Yeah. And right, like I negotiated, I had been there for three years. I negotiated 19 weeks severance. And I had 11 weeks PTO that I got paid out. Right. Giving them plenty of time to be in our community. Thank you, Richard. Yeah. So one thing that, that kind of jumped in my head when I when I wore the sales hat, everyone always said, never give something up without getting something in return. And it's kind of the same thing when they say, oh, I want to pay 10% less in people. Great. Here's the consequences of that. Here's what you get in return is X project doesn't get done. These these functions don't occur, whatever it happens to be. But make it the, instead of that whole do more with less, let them know, no, real world, here's what's going to happen. And uh, and that way it's not, well, number one, they might say, well, hmm, let's find someone easier to go cut stuff from uh, and leave your team alone. Or uh, or they say, this guy's not really good at uh, doing this game and get rid of you. But either way, it, it, we would expect that of our outside sales team. Why would it not be the same inside to say, you don't just give up without getting something uh, back, a consequence? No, I, I, I think that's the hard discussion we should be having before they make the decision, right? Help them understand what the trade-offs are uh, if they're going to make these decisions. What a great conversation. It's time for us to get to our lightning round. Uh, we got a, a large group, so we're going to try to be expedient. Uh, what words, which that means is lightning round, a phrase, a word. What words or word of wisdom would you share with a new product leader so hasn't been through this before? who is dealing with headcount and budget cuts. And I'm going to start with Richard. I'm going to say duck. And then remember, there's <laughs> always something better on the horizon. <laughs> duck. And there's something better on the horizon. Okay, I love it, Richard. Calvin. To clarity and transparency. Clarity and transparency. Love that. Paul. Just morality. You're going to have to live with yourself after this. Morality. I, awesome. Joy. With Richard, my first instinct was leave. <laughs> or duck. Get out. <laughs> Run. Yeah. Leah. Now, this is probably a traumatic response. Um, yeah, get that resume right. Okay, work on the resume. Corey. Think hard. Think hard. All right. Eva. Um, don't play favorites with your team. Don't play favorites. I love that because you need to make sure you're doing the right decisions with where you want to go. Who are the right people you need? Not, I, I love that. Dom. Uh, 
Be vulnerable and authentic. Be vulnerable and authentic. That's wow. Powerful. May. I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know. Um, just like take care of yourself. Can I say something? I think I don't know is actually a good answer. Realize you don't know. You don't have the right answers, but I love to take care of yourself. I think that's going to be so important. Steve. Be, as, be, be honest. Be honest. Be honest. I mean, if I'm communicating to employees, you know, be as honest as I can be. You know, it's it's kind of like the breakup, you know, it's not you, it's me. You know, your work is fine. This is where we're going. You know, I just think you have to be as as honest with them as you can be. And it also helps your own sense of morality. I love that. Uh, for me, I would be saying, first thing is take a step back, right? Take a breath, take a step back, think you know, the think hard as Corey said it, but think about what's going on and what this means uh, and then sort of put a plan in place. Uh, I, you know, you have to be honest, but I also think you have to be an advocate for your your people. When I've had to be, do this, I also needed to be an advocate for them, right? Because some of them are going to make it through and some of them aren't, but I can be an advocate for all of them. And, I, and I've I've had the conversation multiple times where it's like, I know it doesn't feel this way, but at some point, you're going to look back and say this, I'm glad it happened when it did, because it got you into a better place. And every single time it has, and even for me, when I've gone through it. So I think, take that step back and pause, but then be an advocate for them and be a supporter for them. So, you know, unfortunately, this is the reality we're going through. We go through, it seems like every 10 or so years when the, the economy does whatever it's doing and, and, and budgets get cut and, and staffs get reduced. Uh, but I, you know, what I got out of this conversation is, you know, if, when, if we are in that situation as a product leader, do deal with it with humanity and vulnerability, uh, be a good person and make decisions that are right for your people and for the company and, uh, move forward. I, I, I you know, Leah, you, you really got me on the whole, you know, macro level of the morale. And I, and I think that, more and more we need to be thinking about that because we are all a society together and independent decisions whether it's about you know a riff or you know brakes on a locomotive uh to prevent accidents right each of these decisions we make have a have a sort of that ripple effect uh the butterfly's wings you know causing the wind uh and the conversation today was wonderful i what a great panel Dom, May, Corey, Leah, Joy, Paul, Calvin, Richard, and my partner, Steve. Uh, every week, we have amazing conversations that make me learn and think and grow. And I thank all of you for that and for being part of it. Uh, and we do it every week, right? On Monday, uh, the question goes in the community. On Wednesday, we do the poll. And on Fridays, we have these amazingly impactful and vital calls. So uh, thank you, everybody, for a wonderful call. We'll see you next week in the community. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. 
For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.